The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson on a Monday. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. A very interesting weekend locally. We got a lot of high school games that took place. Uh, Utah Jazz played yesterday. Oh, they did? I just thought Denver showed up to the court and there that was, was it. There was a game. And Donovan Mitchell decided to come play too, but nobody else wanted to come. So we'll get into that. Uh, don't Can't forget, wait. a little bit later on in the show, we will uh, let you know who won our Pick'em contest for this weekend. $100 to Locker 42. No big deal. I can think of several things that I could get. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely put and, that to you. And by the way. I'd probably like get more than that and just use that to take $100 well, off yeah. of my well, and not to overall mention, shopping The spree. great thing about the gear is that like, I've had some of the gear and I've traveled for, for some of the games, well, for a lot of the games, and the gear is still intact, still in great condition. Uh, fits really well, is still incredibly comfortable. That is what is great uh, about Locker 42. Their gear is just top-notch, my heavens. Yeah, uh, of course, this whole contest is sponsored by Logo Shop. They make it happen. Who does a phenomenal job, too. Booster Club headquarters for your competitive high school club teams. Um, so the, the prize for this last week was $100 to Locker 42. This week, it's $100 to the Cater Shop. So you need a new tie, some new shirts. Maybe you're looking at a suit. It'll help go towards that, bring that price down for you. So a lot of different things that they can take care of there at the Cater Shop. So uh, if you missed this last week, if you haven't participated yet at all, that's fine. You can register now. Make your picks. Make your selections. Uh, You have until Friday at 6 o'clock to make your selections for this week to be qualified for that $100 at the Cater Shop. So we'll we'll go through all that. Who won this past week? and uh, what what's going on there? The latest with college football, big news out of the Big Ten. Major League Baseball is at their halfway point of their uh, shortened season, so we'll take a look at what that's looking like. A lot of trades uh, happening throughout Major League Baseball, so a lot of things to cover today, AJ. A lot of ground to cover. Yeah, uh, it, what a, what a great weekend it was for Region Eleven too in football. I mean, honestly. Uh, you saw some. Uh, you saw a team needing some offense and got that offense on Friday night in Skyview in a historic win. Historic win because of what they did to the opponent. How was that historic? Because Island Idaho. Didn't you read the tweet from John Newbold? No. I oh, didn't you see didn't. That. Oh, maybe I should save this for you. Know what? I'm gonna save it for the stat that blew our mind tomorrow. Don't cheat. I know you're tempted. Don't do it. That is going to be my stat that blew my mind tomorrow. What Skyview did. Okay. Most compl- Eric and I'm going to dare say it. Not only pro- not only the most complete team in 4A, I mean, I'm sorry, in Region 11, but probably the most complete team in 4A. Wow. And, and I know and look, last year I felt like they relied a lot on Mason Faltzliff, and rightfully so, best player in the state of Utah without a doubt. This year without Mason, or excuse me, without Mason they're figuring out ways to win, and this is an entire credit to the coaching staff as well. They're figuring new ways to win without having the best player on the team. There is now a bunch of really great players that are getting to shine, and this coaching staff has just been absolutely phenomenal in uh, in how it's been running. I can't, yeah, Region 11 looks really, really good so far this year. Uh, so speaking of that game, next hour we'll ask for the bread and butter play of the game. If you were listening to that Saturday evening football game between Skyview and Highland, and you heard our friend John Balgini talk about the bread and butter play of the game, we will call for that next hour. So if you're listening, it's your chance to win some free bread. Hey, if you want to participate in the show, you know the drill, 435-339-0321, or call in. That's how you text it. If you want to call in, it's 435-752-1069. Again, a lot of great content to get through, and uh, two hours to do it, and <laughs> see what happens tomorrow. So, Andre, let's let's start here. Let's start with the weekend that was. Um, and 
let's let's look back on what we thought might happen for the weekend. Let's start with our pick six. Is, D- is a way to recap Eric, what, we what took place. You know, and if I lost, I'm going to be really pissed at you for a number of reasons. One of them, Eric, is that I could have went and just got you the freaking gift today so I didn't have to do it tomorrow. You were like begging me. Come on, you got to tell me. Yeah, tell because me who, I want to Did I lose? Because there's did we a, push? Eric, I'm only going to be here for like a half hour tomorrow. And so I could have just solved it today, but you wouldn't tell me. And so now I have to stir over it tonight. No, we have to reveal it live on the air. I'm going to be angry going to bed tonight. We have to find out together as an audience. Okay, well, if Reggie ends up in the dumpster tonight, don't blame it on me. All right, so the first one was the Bear Lake margin of victory over Rich. Bear Lake High School played Rich High School. You have this stupid smirk on your face. Uh, We set the margin of victory at 17 and a half. Wasn't it more? It was way more. Okay. Bear Lake shut out Rich 49 to nothing. We both took the over. Yes. Rightfully so. All right. So we're tied. Uh, the next one, the combined score of Skyview versus Highland. <laughs> we set it at 38 and a half. That's over. Skyview similarly uh, blitzed Highland uh, 45 to nothing. So we both took the over on that one. So we're still tied. Uh, Donovan Mitchell assists in game six. Set it at six and a half. You took the under, I took the over. He had five. So far, you're three for three. Uh, Jay, you're doing well. You're teasing me. Shut up. Okay, the next one was the combined points of Murray and Mitchell in game six. (laughs) We set the line at 68.5. It went way above that. Uh, You took the over. I took the under. The combined score was 94 between the two of them. So right now, you're a perfect four for four. Okay. The next one, Nikola Jokic rebounds in game six. Set the line at 12 and a half. We both took the under, and we were both right. He only had four. <laughs> I swear, if I don't get a perfect and I go five for six, I'm really going to be angry. The final one was Rudy <laughs> Gobert blocks in game six. We set the line at three and a half. That was so bad. You took the under. I went over. He only had one. Ajay, you were a perfect six for six in our pick six. That's your first perfect uh, weekend of the of this new season. I should get you a perfect prize. What would be a perfect prize <laughs> that I could get you? Invite me over to your house for uh, game uh, game seven tomorrow night and have uh, some pizza and talk it out and analyze the game together. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have anything else going on tomorrow night <laughs> when normally you should be watching the game. Yeah, everybody's going to be watching the game tomorrow night. Let's be honest with each other right now. (laughs) Why wouldn't you be watching the game? Game seven. Critical matchup. Uh, Hey, hey, speaking of of that, uh, ESPN got some uh, reactions from the Denver Nuggets about game seven. Mm -hmm. Today. This is stuff today. This isn't from the post game yesterday. This is stuff for... For today, oh cool! Uh, some quote, <clears throat> interesting quotes from uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, it says, "To be honest, it has been Game Seven the last two games for us. So I mean, it is win or go home for us. Maybe that is why we were playing so relaxed, so we don't have anything to worry about. If we lose, we're going to go home. The energy is still win or go home, so we just need to give the effort. We don't give up on plays, rebound, and just help each other. That is why we're playing really good right now. So he's saying they're feeling relaxed." This, they've been feeling Yeah, relaxed. it is game set. You're the right. That's completely well, yeah. So uh, here's the, are the Jazz here's not the relaxed? problem. And actually, I kind of point to that. Instead of the pressure being on the Nuggets, the pressure was on the Jazz for some stupid reason to close it out. Like, you're up three games to one. You're not, you're not tied at three. You're not... Tied it. I mean, you're up three games to one. And the bigger the series lead got, the tighter the Jazz got. And so now here we are staring at death row, three games apiece, going to a game seven against the third-seeded Nuggets, who are more deeper, who are extremely confident right now, uh, and who have just, I felt like, you know, I'm going to say it. I feel like those guys want to be there longer. 
I think Joe Ingles quit. I think Joe Ingles quit last night. And, and he's been bad the last three games. Royce O'Neal has been bad the last two games. Tony Bradley's been bad since he ever stepped on the court uh, in the NBA season. Uh, but, I mean, like even the, the guys who we count on to contribute into the, a game offensively and actually in the regard defensively have not shown up. And, and I think Andy Larson tweeted this out yesterday. We were so bad at guarding Murray that we sent Jordan Clarkson on him. In a really need to moment, we had to put Jordan Clarkson on Jor- or Jordan Clarkson on Jamal Murray, and we saw how that went. It, uh, man, I'm out of words. I honest, and I, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong on Friday. I guaranteed a Game Six win because I thought the Jazz would actually make adjustments. They have a nice layoff, a nice amount of rest, and I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. This is embarrassing for the Utah Jazz. If they blow this 3-1 series lead and lose Game 7 tomorrow, and maybe I should just say it, they're going to lose Game 7 because I've been wrong the whole entire series. Thought they lose Game 4 or 5 or whatever. They ended up winning or Game 4. I wasn't confident about Game 5, but I was extremely confident about Game 6 and we lost those. So we're going to lose Game 7, and then we're going to win. That's what's going to happen. The Jazz hung with the Nuggets in Game 1. Just ran out of the gas a little bit in overtime. Uh, they dismantled Denver in games two and three. Uh, Jazz got the better of Denver in game four. It was a closer game, but Jazz still were the better team. Jazz looked like they were the better team for the first half of game five. And then Denver started to make some adjustments and bring more energy defensively. And they slowed the Utah Jazz down and they got the win. And then uh, last night, I, I just felt like there were two real big things, and we'll get into this again next hour, but the, the two big things that stood out to me last night for that game between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets was the second unit for Denver was far superior to Utah's second unit. They had more energy. They had more aggression. Uh, they made things. They had more hustle. They made things happen. Utah's second unit really struggled mightily. Can you? And then the other thing that's just real quickly, the other thing yeah, that, that stood out to me is it's it's great what Jamal Murray did. I mean that's it's amazing, <laughs> but when you get when you allow Jeremy Grant to hit four three pointers on you and score eighteen points, if that doesn't happen, Utah is still in that game and perhaps even shut it down, close it out. Can you give me the lines on your key contributor bench guys from both Nuggets and Jazz? So like maybe I don't know Clarkson and someone from the bench of the Jazz, and then. Grant or whoever from the Nuggets. Give me two key lines. So Jordan Clarkson, who's been averaging yeah, more than 20 points, yep. or around 20 points a game, only scores 11. He was a minus 24. Yeah. Two assists, two steals, four rebounds. Uh, and by contrast, Denver's bench didn't really do anything other point-wise, but they were really aggressive. Like Michael Porter Jr., 12 rebounds, only two points. It was that dunk late in the game. But he was effective when he was on the court. What was Plumley? Plumley was a plus eleven, dude. No <laughs> points, five rebounds, assist, a steal, and a block, dude. And the five rebounds, two of them were key offensive boards. Like he, that guy came out with a little bit of energy. Like they had been looking for that all series long, and they got it last night. And he was really good on the offensive boards. What was Grant's line? Well, Go before ahead. we do that, here's a telling stat. Yeah, the rebounds by Denver's bench. 28. The rebounds from Utah's bench, five. Shoot, it's breeze. Five. He rebounded the Jazz overall uh, 43 to 30. That's embarrassing. That is such a bad performance by that squad. Uh, do you have Jeremy Grant's line? Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. what Sorry, I should you, have asked you brought better. up Jeremy Grant. No, yes, you're he, good. he played very well. 18 points, uh, one rebound, two blocks. What did he shoot? Uh, he was six for nine overall, four for seven from beyond the Good three. heck. Give me uh, give me George Nyang, will you? George Nyang in 20 minutes scored 10 points, a rebound, and a block. And he shot what? He was three for six. That's actually not that. I, I feel like he played so much worse. 
And, and, and the thing is, is as I mentioned earlier, we're not just we're not getting any contribution from Ingles, O'Neill, or or uh, George. None. And I still don't understand why we're playing George Ying out there. I still don't get it. I mean, at this point, Eric, so here's my solution for tomorrow's Game 7. That may not even be much of a solution because I think Denver's going to cook us in Game 7. But instead of going to the... Because we had, we had nine guys, right? We had a nine-man rotation last night. Is that right? Yes. Cut it to seven. And your two subs are Bradley and Clarkson. Or Juwan Morgan and Clarkson. One of those two. Clarkson's one for sure, and it's either going to be Bradley or Morgan. That's it. Everybody sits. Because nine men's not working. I know Denver's extremely deep, but you're getting absolutely... I mean, you're practically playing nobody. You're practically subbing in a great scorer like Donovan Mitchell or a decent defender like Royce O'Neal for George Nying to get absolutely burnt on every single drive. Keep it to seven and just play that seven. Uh, I think it was Dan Clayton that was breaking it down, the matchups, the plus-minus for uh-huh. different lineups. Yeah. When it was the starters, the Jazz were always in positive territory. They were always like really, really good. But anytime anybody off the bench came in, that went down dramatically. And when it was like one or two starters with three other subs, it was like negative good gosh. basement level. It was really bad. Okay, so here's the thing, Eric. Jamal Murray, you're right, and I love what you said earlier. Jamal Murray's, I mean, killing us with 50 points, whatever it is. But you're right. It's the other guys. I mean, there's that third guy that's contributing, like Jeremy Grant, MP Jr. Um, what do you say MP Jr. had, 12? No, he only had two points, but, but he, he had, had 12, 12 rebounds. Or... <laughs> what is it defensively that they're doing now? Because I still feel like Jokic is dropping off at the time on a screen. So what is it defensively that's stopping us all of a sudden? I'm not seeing it. Okay, what I'm seeing is that they're, they're the way that they're doing the pick and roll, the way they're defending it is different. Okay, uh, they're sticking with guys. They're, they're they're putting two on the ball, the primary ball yep, handler. Yep. They're not uh, letting the other guy fall off, and so and they have big long guys that are usually there. Yeah, and so it makes it hard to make the pass to hand it off to the guy that just did the pick. The other thing is that when Jordan Clarkson has the ball, they don't care like who like the other guys are, are supposed to defend. They will collapse on Jordan Clarkson because they know he doesn't dish. He goes and he gets his own shot. So they know that when Jordan Clarkson gets the ball, they collapse on him, and they don't care who they're guarding. They don't care who they leave wide open. They muddy it up in the middle and force him into a bad decision. At least that was the real thing I saw yeah, over no. and over and over you know, again You brought up a great night. point is forcing bad decisions. Donovan Mitchell started forcing it. You saw the Donovan Mitchell of last year in that series against Houston where he he became too dependent on himself, whereas I have to create because nobody else can. And he's right. Like, George Yang open for a three is a worse shot than Donovan Mitchell being guarded by two guys. I, I mean, that's crazy. But I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell shoot over two guys then George Yang opened for a three. But at the same time, I feel like he tried to force when even when he was passing. He saw, I think, two or three turnovers. One of them was a drive to the hoop, and he, he probably could have drawn a foul or got a layup in with the left hand. Instead, he throws a bounce pass to Rudy that's just a ray off to the side of him, and Rudy can't gra- grab it. And you look, and you saw Donovan say, hey, Rudy, my bad. The other thing is defensively, George Yang's getting absolutely his, just the crap kicked out of by him. And you saw this yesterday where George Nying, I think there was a miscommunication one way or another, left Rudy out to dry, got stuck on a two-on-one on the, like, on the left wing, and the guy ended up coming up for a bucket. I think it was Grant who ended up getting a layup out of it. And then George Nying and Rudy are having a conversation. Coach Alec Jensen comes over to Rudy and says, hey, it's on you. And you see him say, hey, it's on you. And Rudy's just livid at this point, kicks a chair, and uh, that's just how the night was. And I feel bad for Rudy. Is, is it more... How I ask this, is George Nying the problem defensively or is it is it Rudy Gobert? Is Rudy Gobert, are they finding his weaknesses and exposing him? Or is it actually really just bad defense overall? I think Rudy's doing what he can. Yeah. I think that he's he doesn't get a lot of help. No. No. I mean, they're asking him to go all over, to guard yeah. Jokic in the post, to guard wings out on the three. 
and uh, he's not getting a lot of help. But you know what? Who else do you put in instead of Nyang? Morgan, yeah. now that he's on the court, they're hunting Morgan. Oh, every time. Jamal Murray hunts for yeah. Morgan. And so Quinn Snyder knows, I can't put Morgan out there if Jamal Murray's on the court. Can you send Donovan on a rare double every now and then, or do you not want Donovan having to use his energy up like that? I mean, because I mean, Donovan guarding Murray I thought was really good last night, but I also understood that the point of the guy needs his energy on the offensive side to score 42 points to keep us in this game. Can you use Donovan on Murray at times, or would you rather at all, no way, you got to find a way, Royce, to stop this guy? Yeah, I. it's... We're six games now, seven games into it tomorrow. The Jazz have allowed Jamal Murray to go crazy in this series. <laughs> they shut him down in two games. Let's yeah. not forget, in games two and three, he only scored like 12, 14 points. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> not exactly sure what it was that they were doing in that one that they've lost since. But they've got to find a way to disrupt his, his rhythm. Uh, to, and we, you and I talked about this earlier. I think if you borrow a term from football, you got to knock him off his route. Uh, they, I don't know that the Jazz have somebody that can get a little physical with him. That's not their modus operandi. And if they had uh, a Crowder with him, he would. He'd, he'd get in his face. He'd give him a hard foul. Joe Ingles can talk trash and get in guys' heads, but we haven't seen that out of Joe this series. I think you're right. I wonder if Joe is really... if he. It's hard to question what a guy is, is in his head and what's going on in the bubble, but he doesn't seem to have that same fire like no. we normally see from him in the, in the postseason. You're talking about Joe, right? Yeah, Joe Ingles would yeah. normally be talking trash, getting inside his opponent's head, yeah. getting them frustrated. We haven't really seen that at all. Joe quit this series. Joe quit. Joe wants to go home. Joe was, He's passing up shots. Yeah, Ingles doesn't want to be in Florida anymore. He wants to quit and go home. Which, look, if if that's the case, then I mean, maybe we got to have Nying out there. Then that's 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 where we're at. But I've seen absolutely very little from Joe Ingles. I I mean, regards of like you said, energy. Uh, that means emotionally and verbally and even mentally, he looks out. Sometimes he looks slow physically. Um, his shots are short. Uh, he's passing up a lot of really good looks, Eric. I th- I can't count how many times on a screen with Donovan Mitchell that Donovan Mitchell is purposely setting up Joe for a shot, and Joe ha- and not Joe Joe has space to shoot it. Pump fakes the three, stops, pulls back, gives to Donovan Mitchell. Like he's he's letting go of good looks that ninety nine point nine percent of the time last year he was taking with confidence. I mean, I'm. I hate to be this guy, but I honestly think Joe Ingles quit, and he doesn't want to be there anymore. Well, I don't know that he quit. I just don't know that his heart is fully in it. Well, how do you? I, I think there's a big difference. Okay, is there a difference though? Yeah, sure, absolutely. There's no way. There's no difference. If your heart's not into it, you're not playing. You're you're not trying, which means you're quitting. His numbers have dropped off incredibly. Since the restart bubble regular season, quote unquote, like why? If your heart's not into it, that means you're not trying, which means you're quitting. That just and and that blows my mind. Because he'd be a huge contributor to the to the offense. I I don't know as much defense, but offensively he'd help a lot. And in, th- in this case, I'd rather start Clarkson and bring Joe off the bench. Well, that's kind of how you know Denver I made am, a change man. in their lineup, and it started to make a, a, a change a huge for them. Difference, huh? Yeah. You wonder if Utah tries something similar. Do you, Do you think they do? I mean, we're at Game Seven now, right? Winner take all, and you might as well throw out all the throw out all the stats, you know, the numbers and analysis. What is my gut decision? It is Game Seven. Number stats and analysis don't work anymore. But I don't think that. I don't know what the the numbers are when it's Mike Connolly, Donovan Mitchell, and Jordan Clarkson on the court at the same time. At least have confident shooters. But their their second half offense is uh, oh, has it's been abysmal. It's abysmal. Um, what did we? Do you still have the numbers right there from last night's game, Eric? I do. 
what did they shoot? What did the Jazz shoot from three? And what did the Nuggets shoot from three? From three, the Nuggets were 18 of 36. They were 50%. The Jazz were also 18 of 36 oh. for 50%. Okay. I thought it was much. That was a bigger disparity than that. Free throw wise? Uh, 23 for 26 for Denver. Okay. Uh, 21 for 30 for Utah. Yeah, do the nine free. And so here's another thing, and I thought this was brought up on Twitter everywhere. Um, and you brought it up, I think, earlier today. That first quarter, when the Jazz should have been up 15, we're up six. I think Denver walked back to the bench and said, we got this. We had, what, three and nine from the free throw line in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. We had numerous looks. Jokic was in foul trouble. Murray wasn't uh, Murray wasn't hitting, uh, I guess, I mean, we, we both teams started off hot, and then Denver cooled off really quickly in the first quarter. And we were up six, man. Six going into, into the second quarter. I think right there, Denver said we got them. Because then Denver went on this big run in the second quarter, and we just never found our rhythm from there. Like, that's incredible. I think that's where we got in trouble. It's just been one thing after the next that becomes like an outlier problem in games five and six. Um, and here we are. Now it's tied at three piece and going into game seven. I'm terrified. And Denver has all the momentum. Oh, every bit of it. Oh, yeah. Every freaking single bit of it. Every bit of it. And I don't know. I, the way the Jazz had the momentum and the way Denver has the momentum is different, to my opinion. Nuggets were down 3-1 in this series. 3-1. to one. And they have now tied this thing up at three apiece, going to game seven tomorrow night, 6.30. And I just, I mean, it's more than just momentum. It is blistering confidence on their end. Well, let's not forget, games two and three, the Jazz totally dismantled these guys. Yeah, Blew them, them out. But that seems like a distant memory, and it's a total Yeah, what happened? Game. Where was that? How in the world do we go from winning by 35 or whatever and being up 40 at one point to now giving up 50 points to Jamal Murray and this Nuggets team lighting it up. And this defense, I mean, the defense has been non-existent the whole entire series, except for game three, whatever it was, game three. Um, But this is just bad. And it's got to be really concerning for me if I'm a Jazz member that we have a game seven with Nuggets tomorrow. And again, it's a three versus six game, but you tank to get there and I thought it was the right decision to do. Uh, but, boy, Denver has responded in a monstrous way, uh, both defensively and offensively. And like you said, they got all the momentum. And I don't think – if you're Mike Malone, you don't make any adjustments. You keep exactly where it's at. You let Donovan score his 40 or 50 points, you make everybody else beat you. You may, if, if George Ning hit the three, good for him. If – if uh, Tony Bradley catches a pass and makes a hook shot from one foot out, good for him. But you make everybody else beat you except for Mitchell. Mitchell's going to get his good. Nobody else can beat you, though, on that squad right now offensively. That's how bad the Jazz are. You know, Mike Connolly's been fairly consistent. Oh, yeah, sorry. Mike Connolly's another good Mike one. Mike Connolly's been Thank great. You. Yeah, he's good been good. Point. I thought he was good last night, too. Yeah, 21 points. Six assists, uh, good effort from Mike Connolly. It's a changeup. But you even saw Mike get frustrated last night a little bit too. Yeah, it's you know, and that's the sad thing, Eric. The most intensity we saw in last night's game came from Rudy Gobert kicking his chair and Donovan Mitchell turning over a stationary bike. That was the most intensity I saw from any player last night. Again, we're just too soft. We are too soft of a basketball team. Right, there's. There's not that. Uh, there's not that enforcer. There's not that toughness. Um, I mean, Rudy plays with a chip on his shoulder. I think Royce can play pretty good defense, but there's not somebody in there that can mix it up. And I'm not saying you got to send somebody out there to hurt somebody, but when that guy's on the court, the opponents need to be concerned. Oh, that guy's going to hit me. Absolutely. Uh, 2197 just texted in, Eric. The Jazz only have three confident shooters. Mitchell, Clarkson, and Connolly. Uh, O'Neal and Ingles are not confident and aren't playing good deep to justify minutes on the floor. With that, and, and you know, I actually agree with you, but the problem is, as you already mentioned, Eric, Ingles and O'Neal are our only options. 
Like, I'm not going to put George Yang out on the floor for defense. I, I ain't doing it. Um, Juwan Morgan, I, I thought was good defensively, and then Jamal Murray found him and just lit him up last night. Seven straight points, I believe, three straight buckets. Yep. Uh, yeah, I have nobody else for you, and Tony Bradley can't do it either. And so you're right. You're absolutely right, 2197, that they aren't playing good D to justify the minutes on the floor, but everybody behind them definitely, sure as heck, doesn't have a reason to be on the floor either. That's how bad it is. Yeah, that, that Utah bench has to find something. Yeah. They've got to find something. On both something. sides of the floor, right? Like, please, both sides of the floor, something. <laughs> All right, we'll take a step aside here on the Full Court Press. Love to hear from you and your reactions to the game last night. 435-339-0321 if you want to text into the program. Uh, before you step aside, just a reminder, we got uh, Labor Day coming up this weekend. So if you're planning at one last little getaway, for Labor Day weekend, make sure your vehicle is good to go first. Uh, the folks at A1 Automotive, they can do this pre-travel safety check before you head out. Uh, go to A1 Automotive. Uh, you can check them out online. The letter A, the number one, then autoperformance.com. And uh, by the way, if, if you do need some parts, they offer a three-year, 36,000-mile parts and labor warranty on any repairs that they do. You can call them at 752-9636. That's A1 Automotive. Appreciate their uh, participation here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Andre Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Hey, 2197 finishes off his thought. At this point, you have to outscore Denver. Clarkson needs to play more. He has to. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. But again, uh, and this is, it's turned into like a shootout. Last team with the ball usually wins. Or most points from either team star will win the ball game. Uh, well, but, Utah has been held to 107 points in their last two games. Yeah, the previous four games they were averaging about 125. Yeah, so it's a it's a big difference, and it's you know, Denver's changed some things defensively. I I think Clarkson would be good on the court. Uh, you know, agreeing to two one nine seven, it would be good on the court just because if you can match him up with anyone besides Murray, he's going to d it up. I think he's a good perimeter defender. He's not bad in the post. He's physical. But he's just too small. But if you can match him up with a good, you know, as a good perimeter defender against someone besides Jamal Murray, uh, gives you a good chance. And again, offensively, I just like the fact that when he catches it, he's going to shoot it. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. Joe Ingles is terrified for some reason. Like he's caught this fear of shooting. Royce O'Neal, same thing. Give me Clarkson on the floor, and I think you give a good chance of of competing and at least keeping up with shooting from Denver because you know you're you're going to get Denver's very best. And my goodness, it was great last night. Wow. Dude, I, it just stuns me that we lost game six like that. Well, I really felt like their best chance was game five. Five? Yeah. Yep. If we lose Because they series, had that first I mean, half. Back to game five, yeah. They had the lead. They had control. And then midway through the third quarter, Denver just started changing some things. And the Jazz were a little too casual and took too long to react to it, and then it was too late. And now you get them; they get some momentum. They got they're a good team. There's a reason they're the number yeah. three team in the West. Absolutely, yeah. And again, we, we we see before we started the Denver series, I think we said like you know Jazz and six, Jazz and seven, and then we're up three games to one, and then everybody's expectation changed, and they forgot about how good Denver is. Well, yeah, when you win games two and three the way Utah did, it's easy to feel that way. It is, but again, I think we forget how good Denver is, how deep Denver is. We remember those first four regular se- or first three three regular season games I think we got in, two or three? Three. And, and, and how good Denver was methodically, execution-wise, defensively, they were on top of you. They were really, really good. And I, for some reason, I, even though we're up 3-1 and we had taken Denver off guard, Denver's still a dang good basketball team, and they're proving why now. 
It's a little bit later, but it's better late than never. But they're proving why they're so good. And and it's the same medicine they went to during the regular season. And uh, here we are. Now in Game 7. It's not over. The series isn't over yet. But uh, the way Denver has played these last two games makes you really terrified for Game 7 tomorrow night, even if it is on a neutral court or court across the country in Florida. Okay, who is the... who? Needs to be the bigger X factor in Game 7 for Utah. Okay. Jordan Clarkson. George Niang. Joe Ingles. Or Quinn Snyder. Ooh. Ooh. Your first, second, and third. Let's see. Uh, Clarkson. Clarkson. Niang. Ingles. Or Snyder. Your first, third, and fourth options, I think, are the ones I'm going to look at. I'm counting out. I'm discounting the second option because he's been garbage and he's been bad. Look, even if he hits a couple of shots, he's still been really bad defensively. And he's still a marksman for the Denver Nuggets defensively. So I'm looking at your first, third, and fourth options. Clarkson's been good for me. I feel like Clarkson's been there. I'm, I'm going to lay off a of Clarkson on this one. Uh, Joe Ingles has been incredibly disappointing. And as I said, it almost seems like he's quit. Completely quit. And that he wants to go home. Because he doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants to be home with his family. Uh, but if he turns it on and he goes back to old Joe that we know, can he be the X Factor for Utah? Yeah, but the problem is he's not going to. It, you can't just turn on a switch and say, all right, game seven, here I am, baby, let's play. Give me the rock. Let me guard. Let me defend. Let me get the minutes in. I haven't seen that, and you can't switch it on just from a day off into going into game seven. That's not how this works. I hate the point pin on Quinn Snyder because Quinn Snyder is an incredibly intelligent coach. High IQ. This series blown into a game seven is not on Quinn Snyder at all. It is completely on the team itself and the execution or lack thereof. But Quinn Snyder's got to make an adjustment. Whether it is going from a 9-7 to seven man rotation, whether it's completely erasing George Yang's minutes, whether it's using, as 2-1-9-7 said, using Clarkson more on the court in heavier minutes as a bench guy, still playing the starter minutes type, which by now I think is almost what you do. The more I think about it, having Royce O'Neal, who's been on ice skates against Murray, putting someone else on Murray and then still letting Clarkson be on the floor as an offensive threat, I think you've got to look at something You've got to change something or else this thing is going to be over and you're going to blow a 3-1 series lead. I'm going to say Snyder is the X factor for me. You? Uh, For me, I think it's got to be Joe Ingles. If he can be the facilitator and if he can score, that makes such a big difference. Uh, And and then also being pesky on defense. That's what we've come to know and love about Joe Ingles, and we have not seen him like that. If he becomes the Joe Ingles that we all love and that opponents hate, the Jazz should be fine in Game 7. Who offensively worries you the most, with the exception, I'm going to put out Jokic and Murray in this conversation. They're not, they don't belong in this one. Who offensively scares you the most right now for the Denver Nuggets that you have to key on? Well, I think it's becoming Jeremy Grant. Playing in heavier minutes, I think he is taking the minutes away from Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) uh, because he's not a defensive liability like he is. But Michael Porter Jr. has also improved his defensive play. Do you – give me your thoughts on Harris last night. Defensively, I thought Harris was really good for the Nuggets. he was. Uh, I thought he gave him good minutes, good energy. Uh, I thought that he was solid defensively for them. After not playing basketball in six months, almost. I'm I, I, sorry. I'm I'm still trying to think of ways you can you can't stop Murray. I mean, is it possible to slow him down, or are we are we over that now? Because you can't trap him, right? I mean, there's always someone open. Well, they got to make him work on defense. Too. Yeah. Who is he guarding on defense? He's probably guarding Royce. Yeah, Royce is because Jeremy Grant's guarding. Donovan, right? Donovan, because I know there was at times you saw you saw Jamal so and Donovan Morris or is Donovan guarding on. Uh, Conley. Yeah, Royce has got to be better. I mean, Royce has got to be a, a bigger threat if that's the case, because Jamal Murray is using very little energy right now. 
I mean, extremely little energy to guard on defensive side. So he did, he's full of energy to come out on the offensive side, you know, uh, gives the Jokic on the wing, takes a right-hand curl, gets the handoff, and then pulls up for three. And the, hey, do you know what the other thing that's really bothering me? is quick going underneath screens when Jamal Murray has the ball. Stop. If he has the ball above the three-point line and Jokic sets the screen, what do you think he's going? he wants to do? Shoot. So, Royce, quit going underneath the screen. Step over Jokic. Bump Jokic out of the way. Get a hand in the grill. Contest it some way. There were so many open looks, Eric. Yeah, 9 for 12. Murray was 9 for 12. I want to know how many shots of those three. were open looks because we went underneath the screen. And some of them were challenged. I thought Jazz played some good defense on him on some of those looks, but he did have a lot of good open looks. And that's hard to stop a shooter when he's feeling it and he's he's got an open look. Nine three one five. Uh has Ben told you if he is taking a semi tomorrow or are we getting a bigger trailer? Nine three one five. I think you texted the wrong person. <laughs> but uh if I were you, I would definitely get the semi. Definitely get the semi tomorrow. I would say just get the bigger trailer. <laughs> Depends where you get it at, but uh, look or at the who's semi. driving. Ben, let let me know what you decide. Uh, get back to us on that. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, and and uh, by the way, speaking of just going underneath and over screens, someone needs to like check Murray. If he goes to the hole, don't I mean don't flagrant foul him, right? Put him to the floor. Swat his shot. Stare at him. Well, that's the problem with Juwan a- Morgan. He played Ole defense on him. He never got in front of him. He let him run right by him. Didn't everybody do that, though? I mean, well, didn't everybody get uh, get cooked like that? Uh, a lot of guys did. So here's the thing, is if he goes to the hole, you know, whether it's Tony Bradley, whether it's Juan Morgan, don't let it be Rudy Gobert, for heaven's sakes, please. Like, someone take him and let him have it. Put him to the ground. Stare at him. Glare at him. Say, hey, it's game seven, boy. Welcome. And the other thing that scares me is, Eric, is how many guys have we had on the Jazz team participating in game seven? Mm, that's a good point. Two. Ingles and Gobert. How many guys on the Nuggets participated in game seven? A lot. All of them from last year. <laughs> yeah. so they, they did, they had two game sevens last year. Now, does having a game seven in Florida... Is, I mean, do we wipe out that factor then because we're in a neutral court? It's virtual fans. Do we wipe that out, or is there still like that immense amount of pressure that it's game seven? It's game seven. It's game seven. There's no Denver home crowd. There's no yeah. Utah home crowd. It's, it's a shooter's gym. It's game seven. It's win or go home. These guys are super familiar with their surroundings. There's no travel involved. They weren't on a plane late last night. Getting to the next destination. Oh, sorry. Three guys from the Jazz now participating in Game 7. Mike Conley has as well when he was with Memphis. Okay. That's a good point. Thank you for the text. Uh, Still not as significant as what Denver's went through just no, the last year. No, no. The last year, they went through a playoff like gauntlet. And they were this close from being in the NBA Finals, really. So, yeah. I. Well, Western Conference. Well, so, sorry. Western Conference Finals. Excuse me. Uh, but boy, they can play. I uh, <laughs> I feel like the do or die thing is kind of taking its toll because as you brought up Jokic's quote, Denver's been in a do or die game since game five. Excuse me. Uh, since game five, and that alone, them winning those last two games. Going to a game seven, Eric, they are fully confident. Like, and there is <laughs> and there is uh no pressure on the Nuggets side because they were down three games to one. They're now tied at three. They've done really the hard part. Yeah, the pressure's part. been on Utah to close it out. Yeah. They they've done the hard part now. Now I just gotta go in game seven. And with all like you said, all the momentum they have is unreal. Unreal that we're in this situation. I thought the Jazz would show up for game six. And only one guy did. No, two guys. I'm going to say Clarkson showed up. Conley showed up. Yeah, and Conley. Sorry, I keep forgetting Conley. Doggone it. Yeah, Mike, Donovan, and Jordan were the only three guys who showed up. Everybody else was, 
And I know Rudy tried. Rudy gave what he could defensively. Uh, you're just, I mean, but when you're playing with like George Ying and Tony Bradley uh, and Juan Morgan for there for a little bit, and you're trying to cover everybody's holes, that is just extremely hard to do, man. To get everybody's weaknesses and be at the rim to meet somebody there and not sit, you know, not get into foul trouble. And that's the other thing is Jokic had what two fouls in the first half of the first quarter, and then we just stopped going after him, which is amazing to me. All right, got to take a step aside here on the full court press. A lot of other things that are going on or, or did happen over the weekend. We'll take a look at uh, some big trades throughout Major League Baseball. Uh, the weekend that was for high school football. Uh, don't forget, we're going to give away our bread and butter play of the game from the Skyview game Saturday night. Stay tuned for that. Uh, who won our preps pick'em contest this past week? Uh, and we're about the midway point in Major League Baseball. Who's doing well so far? Who is underperforming? We'll look at that in our midterm grades for Major League Baseball coming up next in the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. You know, Eric, what else sucked about this weekend? Black Panther dies. Coach Thompson died this morning. Cliff Robinson passed away. Cliff Robinson died. Just, man, I don't know why, but the Chadwick Bozeman thing kind of hit me hard when he passed away. I didn't know he had cancer. I didn't either. Dude, he was surprised like, a lot fi- of people. And he was filming movies during that whole time. Yeah. Like stage three colon cancer, and he's just filming movies, toughing it out. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, what a, man? We what did a, a little outdoor movie on Saturday night. We watched the Black uh, Black Panther. Oh, really? Yeah. Good show. See, I can't I can't get into that Marvel stuff unless it's like Batman. That's not Marvel. Well. Okay, I can't That's get DC. into okay, so I you can't get superhuman into superhero, superhero stuff. stuff. Yes, I've never seen Superman. I've never seen uh, Black Panther. I've never seen Wonder Woman or Flash or Green Light, whatever that dude's name is, Green Ranger. <laughs> um, Green Ranger. But and uh, superhero genre is just not your thing. But I'm the Batman kind of a guy. Uh, so we're about the halfway point in Major League Baseball, a trade deadline today, and of quite a few trades. We'll get into that a little bit later, but at the midway point of Major League Baseball season, Ajay, uh, who has, what, let's talk about teams, not specifically players, but what teams have stood out to you so far at the halfway point? Oh boy, uh, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um you know, the team that's really surprised me the most thus far is the Tampa Bay Rays. We're at 24 and 11. Yeah. They got solid pitching. They've had a great bullpen. They had clutch hits. Uh, Tampa Bay right now leading a good Yankees team by three and a half games right now is, is pretty impressive to me. Hey, I'm, I also am a huge fan of the Oakland Athletics. Mm. 22 and 12. Two and a half over Houston right now. Love it. Love seeing the Astros suck for once. <laughs> they don't necessarily suck. Well, they do, and they don't get the help to know what pitches are coming. <laughs> that always helps. Um, uh, the uh, I'm with you with the Rays. I think they're uh, they're uh, a little bit ahead of what my expectations would have been for that division. Uh, they're playing very well um, in the uh, National League. The Dodgers. I think we expected the Dodgers to be really good, and they are destroying a lot of teams. Uh, they're they're outstanding right now. Uh, another surprise for me has been a pleasant surprise for this this uh, first half. The San Diego Padres. Oh yeah, they've been tearing it up. Well, how about their their, their trade deadline deals? They uh, they they got Mike Clevenger. Um. Which, by the way, helps them for a, a numerous amount of reasons. Uh, just in regards of, um, sorry, I'm reading this tweet and it's not making sense to me. Anyways, uh, yeah, sorry, they get Mike Clevenger uh, to help their rotation in the starting lineup. 
But the problem is, is with for for San Diego, they're going to need the depth in the bullpen. And I, I still like. I feel like San Diego is going to be a threat in the NL. I don't know if they're going to be what LA is, and I don't know if they can compete with LA for seven games in a series. But I think they're going to make. I think they're going to turn some heads in the playoffs come October, whenever yep. it is, whenever we start playoff baseball. <laughs> uh, disappointments so far the first half. Red Sox. Yep, I don't. <laughs> the Red Sox have been a huge disappointment for me. Uh, they're terrible. Yeah, and and honestly, the Washington Nationals are twelve and nineteen right now. Yeah, isn't that a surprise? A little bit, a little bit. Two great franchises, uh, not doing very well at all right now. Hey, how come the Angels suck so bad all the time? Uh, that was going to be another one. The Angels, just a, a continual disappointment. If you're Mike Trout, what? Yeah, why why do you stay there? Yeah, get out, dude. You know how many like World Series contending. Title teams want you? Yankees, Braves, Athletics, Twins, Indians, uh, yeah, It's going to be hard for him to move now Cubs. with that fat contract. You can't. No, you're, no, you're stuck He's there stuck. now. Yep. You're stuck there. Your chance for World Series title has now officially gone out the window. Can I say generally, uh, besides the Dodgers, most of the uh, National League has been disappointing? Cubs? Uh, they started out great, and then they've kind of faded a little bit. But look, I mean... Uh, the Dodgers and the Cubs are the only two teams with 20 wins or more in the National League. The American League has like five or six. Hmm. Hey, a uh, little room for error, would you say, with a shorter season now? Like losing streaks add up to be more? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, And that's what I worry about. My but, Braves. I mean, the Cubs did make some deals today to yes. help their bullpen. So I think that, that should help them uh, stay at the top of their division. And um, make a run for it. Well, can't wait to see him choking the playoffs. <laughs> like my Braves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, coming up next hour, we'll get into high school football, what happened over the weekend, who won our preps pick em contest, and what was the bread and butter play of the game from the Skyview football game on Saturday night. We'll get into that and more coming up next in the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NBA playoffs were back this weekend, but I'm not sure it's back to business as usual. It never really was because of coronavirus. But after last week's stoppage, staying focused has to be more difficult than ever. Players are still trying to figure out how to best use their platform to promote social justice. There are no easy answers. Even as they narrow in on actionable items, they're engaging in a long battle. That's one thing about sports that is easy. The clock hits zero and there's a winner and a loser. At the end of the season, confetti comes down from the ceiling, champagne gets sprayed all around and everyone goes home. Social issues don't work that way. Players are trying to come up with a short-term and long-term strategy while playing basketball at the same time and setting the tone for an entire sports world. A champion will likely be crowned this year, but that's only part of the reason that this will go down as one of the most unique postseasons in history. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.